Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm going to have a bunch of notes in the show notes because you're going to want to take these notes and make them your notes because you're going to go on the road because when you go on the road, you need to take notes because that's where we're going today. We're going on the RV. We have a homeschool journeys. We're back on the road again, on the road again. Um, We interviewed, we had the pleasure of interviewing Michelle Olchin um, and her family talking about her daughter and and them homeschooling on the road in their RV around the country. And they've been doing it for not, you know, two months, not three months. We're talking years. They're measuring this now in years and their ultimate goal is to go sailing. And we did talk a little bit about the idea of leaving the mainland and becoming water people and <laughs> going out on their sailboat and doing the whole sailing thing. So if you're, if that interests you, if you, if you have the sailing itch, there's a little bit of the talk in there. And maybe if when she finally, her and her family finally makes that big plunge into the big bodies of water, she'll come back out and give us a little bit of a interview about that and everything. But this was really a wonderful interview. Talked a lot about, you know, when you're, when you're in a restricted space, and you're moving around and you don't have the normal amenities like the library or anything like that, you know, you got to run minimalist. And it was really interesting to hear how her and her family manage that. Yeah. She was really fantastic. It was fun to think about, you know, how would you, how would you change the way that you, uh, you operate? You know, she's doing uh, a literature curriculum with her, with Mm -hmm. her daughter. And, you know, how does she make accommodations for that, that she can't get every book and she can't haul around all these things and what an adventure their family's going on traveling around the country and seeing so many amazing places what a a great experience so she was fantastic we loved having her but um we'll stop yakking in your ear so without any further ado let's go on i'm going on an adventure (laughs) with michelle olchin hi michelle thanks so much for joining us hi so uh, tell us a bit about your family and some background on what drove you all to homeschool. Sure. Um, so my little family is just the three of us. It's my husband, myself, and my our little girl, our only. Um, so we had decided back in 2018, um, my husband took sailing courses while I was at a professional conference for teachers. And my the little one was at grandma's house. So he was like, what am I going to do? So he decided to go sailing. And when I got back from my conference, he took me out and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. We have a new five-year plan. So the five-year <laughs> plan was to start downsizing and take our sailing courses all together so that we could live on a boat and travel the world. Well, and so we started doing that. Well, in 2020, COVID hit. And at that point in time, we had a small RV. So we were like, well, hey, I could do all my schooling on Zoom. My husband works entirely on Zoom as a digital marketer. So we were like, let's go travel. Let's, you know, private campgrounds are still open. 
we'll go out and we'll see how this is. So we, that was kind of our first step into the homeschooling world. I kind of took over my daughter's preschooling at that time. And we just traveled around Texas um, throughout 2020, that from March through August when my next contract started. And we were like, yes, let's go ahead and do this. Why, why wait another three years? We can go ahead and we'll take a tiny step into the RV, make sure we like the tiny living. It's not as costly as moving into a sailboat. And so this is what we're doing for now. And in a few years, we should be in a sailboat. That seems like such a dramatic change. I, I know your your goal is to get uh, on a small vehicle on the water, but now you're in a small vehicle with wheels. Uh, what was like, you know, what, what was the the big change there? I mean, what, like you, you said you had to downsize, but like what else did any like mindset stuff have to change as well? Or, you know, like your whole world yeah. is kind of shrinking and then becoming mobile. Yeah, no, there really wasn't. I'm kind of always been a go with the flow. And my husband, he asked me a question. I said, yes. <laughs> and that's been it. The The biggest thing really for us was downsizing because his work was already online. So we didn't have to worry about that. He was able to hire me part time. And I just as a teacher and a librarian, I just kind of took over my daughter's schooling and it just worked out perfectly for us at that time in our lives. And, and, and that's the the homeschooling element. Like, did you did you fe- have any fear of like deciding to homeschool or did you look at the pandemic as an excuse to homeschool for that time period and then maybe figure something else out? I looked at the pandemic as an excuse. I knew that she was already going to ha- be differently abled um, when it came to learning. Um, she's ADHD, OCD. Um, we're pretty sure she's on the spectrum. She We haven't been able to get her tested um, yet for that. She has some speech issues. So there were some things in the background that I've always been thinking about that is public school really going to be what's best for her. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of my my wake up call like hey let's see if i can take over the schooling for her and if that works then why not so tell us about your background as a teacher were you teaching elementary or how many years had you been teaching Mm So I was a classroom teacher for nine years i taught mostly fifth and sixth grade science um and then after i had her i kind of wanted to take a step back out of the classroom and i'd always my dream when i first went to college was to be a school librarian i wanted to be the little old lady reading books to all of the kids <laughs> so i was finally able to when after i had her i was like oh why am i not doing this why am, that was my dream i wanted to be the school librarian so my husband was like go for it so i went for it i applied for my masters got into the program and actually i was hired on an emergency certification over that summer um so i was a school librarian for four years before we started homeschooling you're used to teaching kids in the classroom and in fifth and sixth grade and then all of a sudden you're teaching preschool and and you know she's differently abled so what does that look like? Was that a difficult transition? I Did you come into it kind of going like, I, I know what I'm doing here. You know, I've been no, working with no, kids a long time. Or was it kind of a, a, a new, um, you know, adaption that you had to make? Definitely an adaption. As you said, I was with bigger kids. They already knew how to read. Um, that was the biggest thing is I had never taught somebody how to read. And so that's where my cousin and my best friend kind of stepped in. My best friend's a reading teacher and my cousin taught ESL um, in um, and reading um, to little kids. So she was like a first and second grade teacher. 
And so it was just perfect that I had those two resources that have really been able to help me along for that because she is having trouble reading. So we were suspecting dyslexia, but now it turns out to be audiological processing, audio. So with that, we've had to kind of step back. So I was using a program and we've had to step back and start filling in some gaps that were occurring because she needed more practice. She needed more time with the material. So I've had them to help me along that way. We've been able to do some testing and things that really help us pinpoint where she is with the reading. So is she like um, first, second grade right now age? She's at seven. She's probably on a kindergarten level. No, okay, that, but cool. she she would normally be a, like a second grade if she were in public first, school. Yeah, first or second grade. Yeah. If she yeah. was in public school, she'd be second grade. She is a late May baby, so I kind of don't. I wouldn't even put her at a second grade level until the end of May. So really, she's you know she's only about a grade behind if I do it that way. And she was a preemie, so there were some other issues along that path. Teaching a kiddo how to read is is no joke, and we also underestimated how hard that was going to be. Yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> I, I continue to be shocked. And, and I don't think that our daughter has any sp- uh, specific, you know, processing issues or anything. But it's yeah. just not a not an easy thing to do. No, it is not. And you know, my husband and I both learned very easily. We were never taught phonics; it was whole language. And oh, so, yeah. me, even me having to learn phonics while I'm teaching her has been an interesting step. So again, I'm thankful for my cousin and my friend to help point me in the right direction. Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm learning a lot of phonics rules that I never knew. <laughs> rules, you know, just like the first time I've ever seen these rules. Yeah, I don't. I did not. Honestly, true story. Did not learn grammar and sentence yeah. diagramming until I was a senior in high school. Me too. I actually all of, when I started teaching, all of these kids were like showing me how they were doing all this stuff with the paragraphs. And I was like, what are you doing? I never had to do this. Never learned this. Like, it was so weird. That is funny. So so everybody heard you're in an RV. Let's walk us through it. Yeah, what's that like? We, we all have houses. 99.9% of the people listening to this have houses. And we okay. wake up and we make breakfast and we kick them out the backyard and you know we leave and we come home. What is life like being in an RV on the road? I love it, but it is definitely different. It's a simpler life. It's not easier. That's what my husband likes to tell everybody. Um, but like, there's some things that are super easy. Like my bed's right here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually down right now. Usually it's much higher up, but it's just down. We usually don't put it up on the weekends. So this is my husband's office, but it's one big open room. So we have about 20 feet right here. So I can see from the end of the RV through my living room and kitchen, which you know are like 10 feet each. And then my daughter's room is on the other side. We actually gave her the master in our RV so that we had access to the rest of the house when she goes to bed and we can close the door and have Mm -hmm. some alone time for us. So it it sounds like it's a pretty big, how how, uh, long is it? Are you pulling it by a truck or is this like a one with a motor in it? It is a bumper pull. Um, It's a toy hauler. So, and it's 36 feet. Um, But unlike most toy haulers have like a separate wall for the garage. Ours does not. It's just completely open in the back. And so that's one of the reasons why we decided we wanted this area just for us. And we gave her the master again so she could have that door, have her own quiet space where we could kind of separate ourselves if we needed to. Um, And especially as we're, we're working throughout the day, like while we're working, my husband will be right here. I work on the couch and then she plays in her room. Or if the weather's nice, we're outside. 
Mm-hmm. So when you get someplace, you set up and you've got an awning out and, and you've got space outside. And how often do you change locations? Are you staying for a month or less? Or It it depends. Um, if we're staying at a resort or a campground, then we try to stay for a whole month and get those cheaper rates. Um, but we do like to boondock most of the time. And that's a two-week limit. Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what is boondocking? I don't know what that is. Boondocking means you're staying on state land or federal land. So it's oh. um, Bureau of Land Management or National Forest Service land, um, so, um, civil engineer land, things like that, where you're able to, they've set up like little campsites and you're able to just um, find a spot that you like and tent and camp. Wow. wow. So so you've been doing this now for three years. Like, have you been all over the country? Is you, Are you checking off states? Like, How do you decide where you go next? We are checking out states, but we do like to, we travel with the weather. So when the, as the weather heats up down here, we're from South Texas. So as it gets hotter up down here, we go further up. So last year in July, we were in Maine. So, and that was perfect weather temperature wise. Um, this year we're, we're still in South Texas. Unfortunately, as I just had surgery on my knee, I just got walking orders on Friday. <laughs> so I can walk now. Um, but we're hoping as soon as I finish up, um, physical therapy, we'll be on the road again. And this time we're heading out West. So when this airs, I will be in Washington, hopefully. Oh, wow. Oh. That's cool. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. I know a couple of people live in Washington. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> Play date I'm at the park. Excited. Play date at the park. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that's, that's amazing. Uh, like what was did you have any specific choices with the RV when you like were picking it? I, Ariel and I, you know, when we built our, our first house, we actually lived in a small trailer um, on the front front. Uh, was it the or it was the driveway at the yeah, time? It was like twenty two feet. It was no, it was like a thirty footer. It was it, it was, was it was big. It was me, you, and the dog, and that a was a lot of mice. That was a, a and a lot of mice. We have a lot of we have a lot of PTSD so from living in the trailer. How do you guys manage? You know getting your own time, having your daughter feel like she has the autonomy and, you know, not feel like you're living on top of people. Like, is, is, is there like some tips and tricks for people that you have learned over the last three years? Do you, um, eat, so do you I, eat dinner together? <laughs> we do. So that, that has always been my role ever since my husband and I got married, we eat dinner together. Okay, cool. Um, so that's our one thing we do, um, together every day is we eat dinner. So we might eat breakfast at different times. My daughter might eat lunch at a slightly different time than my husband and I but always eat dinner together. Uh, is that my husband does for a motorcycle. So he is able to leave the RV and go out and do stuff. And I can also take the truck and go out and do our own thing. So we try to make it so that one day a week, we're able to get out on our own and do something. So for him, he'll take his motorcycle, he'll go to a coffee shop and he'll work in town. All my alone time is usually going grocery shopping or the laundry mat. So I'm still working, still doing something, you know, that has to get done, but I'm able to do it by myself. So it's a little relief. <laughs> um, and then I also take my daughter, um, we'll do a field trip once a week where I get her out of the RV. And that's, that's been the biggest thing for us is that everybody kind of gets that time away from the RV mm-hmm. separately. And then we also do trips and stuff together on the weekends. Um, and then when we are here at the RV, we, I time block so that I'll, I'll work for two hours and then I'll spend time, you know, schooling or, or hanging out with my daughter so that she gets that one-on-one time with us. And so it just kind of works that way. And it works for us. 
And do you, any of the, um, do you, so talking about your daughter, you've mentioned her, um, are any of your considerations on where you go aligned with what, you know, the homeschooling and your daughter, do you make those decisions based on the education or is this the decisions on where you go are just like, okay, you, you pick out a map. What is it's the family? Pure, purely seasonal. Yeah. What, what does the family want to do in this seasonally acceptable area? <laughs> It's purely seasonal. It's like, hey, we wanted to go to uh, the Redwoods. Hey, we wanted to go to Glacier, Craters of the Moon. So, but then when we're there or before we get there, I'll take a look at what are some of the cool things that I can tie in educationally. And it doesn't have to tie in at all, but just where can I take her that we'll learn a a little something. And so um, we've been to... And um, we've been to the Arboretums out in South Carolina, like that big famous one that I can't, I can never remember names when I'm on the, um, in Maine, we were able to go see bogs and it's just been really cool just showing her, we got to see manatees in Florida. So just having those experiences with her, I think is just, it's so awesome that we're able to get to do this. Um, so one of the big issues that around homeschooling is this idea of socialization and getting kids together and 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 having them experience the world and everything. Being on an RV, is there a tendency to be kind of, you know, locked in or do you do anything special to make sure that she gets, you know, interaction with people of her age and also older? Is there like an effort that you do on a daily basis or on a weekly basis? We do put some effort into it, but she is an extrovert through and through. So she will talk to anybody. It doesn't matter if they're barely born or if they're 99. She has made friends with people everywhere we go. It's it's <laughs> actually awesome. a struggle to be like, hey, you can't run up to somebody and hug them that you don't know. Yeah. So that's been a big struggle for us. But like making sure that she does it some consistency. We do do um, a weekly out school class so that she kind of gets to see the same people and interact with those um every week. And then we'll also, we're part of um, a group called full-time families and they have um, some monthly chats. So she gets to talk to um, kids that are also doing kind of living this life. Um, Oh, that's neat. I didn't know there was that kind of a group. So she, do they get a chance to kind of chat free form or are there classes with that or? It's mostly um, her group is mostly free form, but there are some classes that you can sign your child up for some homeschool classes um, so that they're, taking those classes with other kids in similar situations. That's that's, oh, that's a, cool. That sounds amazing. So speaking of which, you know, can you walk us through what like a homeschooling day is looks like with you and your daughter and, you know, the typical day, the normal day. If, if there, there is, is such, such a, a thing. thing yeah. <laughs> we do try, we have a, a plan that we try to follow. So we do um, in the morning, I'll work for a little bit and then she kind of wakes up slowly. I have her do um, 20 minutes of Epic. And she does Epic and ABC Mouse just because the grandparents bought it for. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite, but, um, you know, hands off. Yeah. Um, and then she will, we'll do what I call foundations, which is our reading and math. So we'll take time. We'll do that. We're also working on memory work with her as part of the ADHD. Her working memory is, um, needs some help. So we've been working on working memory. So that's all part of the foundations. And then we'll have lunch and a break. Sometimes we'll go to a park or just walk around. And then I'll work for a little bit longer so she can kind of get some more alone time. And then we'll have our our theme work for in the afternoon. And so this year the theme is around the world. So and we're using the Build Your Library and Torchlight for that. And she's 
So we do that in the afternoon. That way, if we have like cooking or things like that, then I can incorporate them into dinner time. So you're doing the around the world. That's a really book intensive curriculum. How do you pare down to just what you can take with you? Or do you do a lot of digital things or? It's really hard, especially as a librarian. I can't, <laughs> so imagine. I can't imagine. So I try to keep our books to our spines, to what we're going to use multiple weeks so that I save on space. All of those daily reads or, or, you know, you might read it for a week and then it's done. I try to do those digitally or we'll watch a video on YouTube. We do have an Epic subscription, so I can sometimes substitute things out using that subscription. And we also have library cards to, to a couple of different libraries around the state. So I can sometimes find our books that way. But mm-hmm. space is definitely at a premium and mm-hmm. books are heavy. So I try to keep it to just our spines that I keep in, but we do, uh, I have a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> so are, is, are you working mainly, you know, you said that she uses Epic and ABC um, mouse, I, th- I believe it is. Um, do you have a tablet, a computer? What What is the environment? And does she do a lot of computer time to make up for the fact that you know, maybe can't get as many books or whatnot? Um, not really. She does get some tablet time. So, and she has a tablet and she also has a laptop that she uses for Minecraft. Um, and, um, she has a gizmo watch as well. And she uses that to kind of talk to grandparents and friends and family so that she continues that socialization aspect there. But as far as using a computer for school, Mm -hmm. we do not, especially with her ADHD and her OCD, it has, we have to have tactile. Okay. So we do still use paper-based curriculum. And are you printing those or are you like buying workbooks or sheets or wh- whatever those curriculums are that you're doing? Is that something you print or you're buying the books and having it delivered to you? It depends on the curriculum. Um, okay. Our math, we buy the workbooks. We use math with confidence and that is my favorite hands down. It's the only curriculum that has just worked for her as is. Mm-hmm. And so I highly recommend Math with Confidence. The other curriculums I print as we go, if needed. Um, she does not do well with a lot of workbook pages. So she likes a few pages that she can do on her own for like homework or things like that. Like Because she did get one year of actual school. So she's like, mom, sometimes I want homework. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll print her off some homework pages that she could do independently. But most of, most of our stuff is is, is verbal. And just us talking back and forth through things. And that seems to work really well for her and her learning styles. Um, do you feel that your background as an educator helped you with the homeschooling? I, we talked a little bit about, you know, you you educated the older kids, but then the younger kids were a little unique. Um, do you feel like your your background helped you in that? Or did you have to kind of reimagine how you approached homeschooling and education with a one-on-one and especially since um, you have a vested interest in this kid more than maybe other people's kids, you know, was, was there some additional challenges there? There are some, especially like going back to learning how to read. That was definitely a learning curve for me. And I had to step back and be like, okay. But I also knew that especially public school education, even though you want it to be one size fit all, it it doesn't happen that way. There's always interventions and things going on. And so I knew that was going likely going to happen. So I was able to take a step back and be like, okay, what's working, what's not, and use that knowledge that I had to help me figure out where we needed to go to meet her where she was. 
so one of the things I always like to t- ask, especially somebody who is an educator and actually had you know a, a significant amount of time in the classroom, um, is there any advice that you give to younger homeschooling parents who might be just starting off? Um, do you have any people that you you adore in the educational space? You know, how can we as a, you know young educators be better? Do you have any advice on that, or books to read, or resources to follow? Just go with your gut, mostly. Go with your gut, and if you feel more pulled toward one home, you know, research your homeschool styles definitely because there's different ways to go about homeschooling, and some people can purely be. Um, a classical style, or some people have to be um, eclectic. Um, yeah. So there's different types. And so I've, I've wanted to be, I wanted to follow a Charlotte Mason approach because of my love of reading, but it doesn't work for my daughter. So mm-hmm. not in, you know, following it purely. And so we've had to take a step back. We're more eclectic now. We have to do some unit studies, things like that to work for her. So your curriculum has to work for both of you. So taking the time to really just get to know your child and researching learning styles and different types of homeschool is going to be a really big advantage as you figure out different curriculums and stuff that fit with those styles. So specifically asking about your daughter, have you had to adjust the homeschooling based on the ADHD and the OCD? Are there are specific things that are common to people, you know, children with that, those type of challenges that, you know, maybe you can, you know, help educate other parents that maybe are running into that same problem? No. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I chunk our time. So yeah. we'll do like 50, and she actually has a pretty good attention span. So it's usually, it's supposed to be one minute per age of your child. So seven minutes would be for a seven-year-old. I'm actually able to go about 15 minutes before I have to change it up before we have to move. But I'm also doing things that we are moving, we are playing games. And so it's a little bit easier to extend that time if you're doing fun activities that your child is invested in, that they're interested in doing. Is there is there anything specific that you, like certain activities that you enjoy doing? Like I'm always looking for new ideas. Like are you doing specific types of like physical movement activities? Is it more you know, um, you know, like coloring and activities like, like in a workbook or, you know, what are those activities? What do they look like for you guys? For us, it's, it's games and it's coloring. She is very, she loves to coloring. She's like, mom, can I be a colorer when I grow up? I'm like, well, that's not really a job, but we can figure something out. So doing things like that are interesting to her. So we color, we do play games and she loves listening to me read. And so I'm like, okay, you can color, you can play Legos, you can do anything you want while I'm reading, anything tactile while I'm reading. As long as you can tell me every once in a while, I'll stop. I'll be like, okay, what what, what did you just hear? So as long as she can keep answering my questions as we go, then I'm good with it. Yeah, that is something that I've noticed as well. With my do- Actually, I was just doing it um, maybe like an hour ago. Um, we, I was reading her chapter in a book and she was doing some, you know, uh, copy work. And I was asking her the questions, like, did you understand what just happened? She's like, oh, yeah, this is this person did this, this person did yeah, this. Yeah, she was doing a little bit of math while you were yeah, while She you was were doing reading. math while I was reading to her. And it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing to see that when it, in play. It's pretty, pretty interesting. So, so you're, you're living the RV life now and you're homeschooling your daughter. You said originally that you wanted to do the sailing. Is that, is that still on the horizon? Like, what's next for your family? It is still on the horizon um, because of medical issues. We are having to 
it has to it's been pushed back probably another year, but so in the next couple of years, we should be on a sailboat sailing in the Gulf and the Caribbean up and down the coast. Um, and as we get more used to it, we'll start going further and further out. So my, my husband is comfortable with just doing the Caribbean. I'm like, no, let's, we got to go to more countries. We got to explore. We got to go do stuff. So that's my, my dream. <laughs> so how are you anticipating things changing when you're, you know, you're transitioning, you've gotten kind of used to living in this bigger space and you can go to the grocery store and are you, are you kind of getting your mind like wrapped around what it's going to be like to be living on a boat and homeschooling on, on a boat? We have some friends that are homeschoolers yeah, and have, they, it's their dream to go on a boat. I have a friend so that got to send this section to. <laughs> The, the main thing is just making sure that I have the curriculum and everything that I need for like a year at a time, depending on where we're going. So six months to a year planned ahead or not, you know, it doesn't have to be perfectly planned, but just an idea of what we're going to be studying or doing during that time so that I can make sure we have the resources to accomplish that. It's that's going to be the main thing. And so one of the things for the sailboat is making sure that we have enough storage space for not only food, but also the homeschool curriculum <laughs> and the books, always books, always the books, always the books. Well, we're we're going to like have to check back in with you after you start uh, your sailboat life. And, and I know there's a lot of folks who it, it sounds so appealing to just be like, Oh, just leave the mortgage behind Celebrity. and all of the, you know, kind of the mundane things and, you know, go on an adventure. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> There's a question we always like to ask people, um, especially, you know, since you're in a very narrow, um, minimalist lifestyle, um, this is probably really, really important to you. Is there anything you couldn't live without, like for your homeschool? For my homeschool right now, it's math with confidence, just math that confidence. she is able to just, I'm able to open up that, that math, the teacher manual and just go with it. And she loves it. It's been amazing and a lifesaver for us because that's something that I don't have to worry about when I'm planning. It's just done for me. She loves it. And it it just works for us. Absolutely. That's fantastic. I, I actually had a question. You know, you you say you work and your husband's obviously working as well. Um, is that how how do you find the fulfillment while doing, you know, something like you're you have a job and you're doing your your child? And how do you manage those two things with like your career and your homeschooling? And also your, the fact that you're living in an RV and moving around it. How can you balance? How do you balance those things? That's just a question that I've got for you. It, it's definitely been difficult, and there's been some back and forth with my husband as you know, just learning how I can best help him grow his business so that we can afford to con continue this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe be able to afford a, a bigger, better, newer boat. <laughs> so there's been some back and forth there between the two of us, and. My daughter, we've had to work with her. Okay. You know, this two hours, this is mommy's work time. So she has activities that she knows that she can do during that time. So I'm able to focus on either focus on helping my husband or focus on my daughter. And that we've really had to work that into our, our life okay. and how we live. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you have any advice to, start, you know, young starting, you know, homeschooling parents, both from a teacher's perspective and from somebody who's been doing it? You know, what type of advice would you give to a, a, a new homeschool parent? Take it slow. Mm -hmm. Take it slow. Figure out what works for you and what works for your, your child, for sure. And I would, you know, definitely as you're first starting out, just do like a gentle nature-based or play-based curriculum just to kind of dip your toes into it 
and then, you know, studying, just exploring the world around them. And then I delay formal learning. Like there's no sense in starting to learn how to read before the brain is ready for it. And there's been multiple studies out there that show that the brain is not ready for formal education until some, until the age of seven. So yeah. there's a lot of countries over in Europe that they're delaying education. They're, you know, they might start school at five, five and six, but it's purely play. They're just learning how to socialize with each other. That way, when they do start formal education, they already know how to interact with each other. And it it just makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah. And I've, I've heard the same thing as well. I have as yeah. well. So bonus question on this. We always ask the the advice question, but I would like to know, um, what advice would you give to a family that's considering going the nomad adventure life? Like what, what kind of advice would you give to them if, if someone's listening to this going, oh my gosh, I wish I could go around the country? Um, do it, but be prepared for the work. You have to put the time and effort into it. It's not a cakewalk. There's, you know, things break all the time. So you have to be prepared to, hey, this, we were going to go hiking today, but now we have to fix the water pump. So, you know, and being flexible. So just knowing that things are going to go wrong and being ready for that as best that you can. So, but do it. That seems about right. Do you have any social media or websites or or the business that your husband does? Do you, anything you can plug to uh, the listeners? Sure, no problem. Um, We have... Uh, Instagram and Facebook with Choose the Scenic Route, and that's kind of our travel blog. And then my husband's business is Decisive Design, and we do websites and marketing, online marketing for small businesses. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. This has just been such a pleasure to hear from you. And well, I'm serious. I want to hear in a few years when you're on the sailboat. Nice. I would, we'd love to bring you I, back. I, thank you. What has been my request? We need to find somebody who who lives on a sailboat yeah. who homeschools. And yeah. <laughs> we'll pencil you in for like 2026. Yes. Hopefully not that long. Hopefully. No, no, we want to give you guys some experience time, you know, experience time. Extra, extra time bonus question. Is it a V-Haul or a catamaran style boat you guys are looking for? It'll be a monohull more than likely unless the business just takes off and we can afford that catamaran. So catamarans are, they're a little bit more difficult to sail. They're this, sorry, not difficult. The sailing is not as smooth as a mm -hmm. monohull when you're on anchor. There's nothing beats the space. Nothing beats the space. Got it. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank y'all. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling.